Our topic today is your time is coming. My Bobby and I happened to be in Australia when we first met Hare Krishna devotees. We were traveling around the world. We got involved with the temple. And Prabhupada, our spiritual master, made his first visit to Australia in 1971. And he brought the deities. Now from just having a casual, informal gathering place to having installed deities that have to be worshipped is a big, big leap forward. We had rented a small storefront in a trendy area of Sydney called Paddington. The carpet in which people used to walk back and forth with their shoes was still there. We were new devotees, we hadn't had anyone to mentor us, and we just tried to figure out everything ourselves as it went along. And when Prabhupada arrived, we had a big media fair, all the TV stations covered it, hundreds of people came, spilling out into the sidewalk. The deities were installed. Prabhupada didn't verbalize anything to us, but secretly inside he was appalled at our lack of knowledge. He had initiated some of us by mail earlier, and in order to worship the deities, you have to have Brahmins. Brahmins forswear illicit sex, gambling, intoxication, and meat-eating. You have to have followed those principles for a considerable period of time in order that your consciousness have been purified enough that then you could approach the deities and engage in the sacred business of worshiping the deities. Prabhupada asked for Brahmin threads, which come ready-made from India. He asked by Bobby, and she didn't know what a Brahmin thread was. She had to run down to the dollar store, get some string and tie it together. The Prabhupada left the deities, but inside he made a prayer, Krishna, these devotees are uncultured, they don't know anything. He used the term malechus, which trust me is not a very complimentary term in our lexicon. He said, Krishna, you're in the heart of all living beings. You can teach them. They don't have any senior devotees, they don't have anyone to show them what to do. But you're the all-present, omniscient Lord, and you're in the heart of every living being, and at least they're sincere. So you teach them what to do, how to make a nice, gorgeous standard deity worship. A year later, Prabhupada came back for his second visit to Australia. We had moved premises, now we're in Galeem. And Prabhupada was so happy. The whole time he was there, I had a big smile on his face. It was a new altar. There were six artists, six ceremonies being offered to the Lord every day. Food offerings, gorgeous, punctual, clean, regular. And then at that time, Prabhupada confided in us his earlier misgivings. He said, Krishna answered my prayers. Now I'm very satisfied. My point today is all that deity worship was resting on the shoulders of one person, Vaibhavi. In the early days of the Krishna conscious movement, 100% of the people lived in temples. Just about 100% of the people that lived in temples were supposed to go out on book distribution. That's not the case anymore. Only 1% of Hare Krishna live in temples. 99% live outside. But in those days, everybody lived in the temple and the emphasis was on book distribution. So the temple management had everybody go out on book distribution and Vaibhava was left alone to do six ceremonies a day, all by herself, with no help. She would get up at 3 o'clock in the morning to do the first ceremony at 4.30 and after putting the deities to bed at 9 o'clock at night, she was lucky if she'd get to bed by 11 p.m. She pleased the spiritual master. 
Nevertheless, she was tired. She was run down. She was all alone. She didn't see any help coming. She didn't see any change on the horizon. She thought that she might be doing this grind for the next 50 years all by herself without any relief. Of course, eventually changes were made and others came. In due course of time, all the deity worship was shifted to others and by Bobby was free. But my point is that looking back on that time when she worked long hours, single-handedly maintained a level of deity worship that put a smile on our guru's face, she was sowing seeds. Today, she's reaping the harvest of those seeds. She manages this beautiful 15-acre property, which hosts 50,000 tourists a year, the Color Festival, the Festival of India. She's building also a brand new temple in downtown Salt Lake City. She's now reaping the results of the seeds that she sowed in relative obscurity 50 years ago. My point is that her time has come. Bad news for some of you is that you don't get something for nothing. But the good news is that if you hold on to your faith, if you hold on to a good attitude for a season, Krishna or God will bless you beyond your furthest imagination. The blessings of God don't have a beginning or a middle or end. Once you get them, they last forever. Krishna or God has a way, even when it doesn't seem like there is a way. Krishna has put promises in each and every one of your hearts. You all have dreams and desires, things that you want to accomplish, situations that you want to see turned around. Don't give up on those dreams just because it's taking too long. It's not happening in the way that you want it to happen. Nobody seems to care. Or just because you went through a rough patch or because you're having to do everything yourself without any other help. It may be taking a long time. But I want to encourage you today that God or Krishna is a faithful God. He's saying to you that no matter how long it's been, no matter how impossible it looks, if you'll simply stay in faith, your time is coming. Every dream that's in your heart, every promise that's taken root, God put it there and he has every intention of bringing it to pass. Let's have this attitude. My time is coming. I've been giving and giving and giving. Maybe I haven't seen a lot of results so far, but that's okay. I know my time is coming. Maybe you're living in a small apartment and all your friends from high school are already in big houses. Don't get discouraged. You know your time is coming. Maybe you really want to get married. All your friends are married, but you still haven't met the right person. Say to yourself, I know that God is in control. At the right time, he'll bring the right person. My time is coming. Jim Thorpe was born in 1886 in the Indian Territory now known as the state of Oklahoma. He lived with his family in relative obscurity. No one cared about him, his family, or even his nation. He was a Native American, an Indian, and by that fact alone, in the 1800s, he was labeled as someone who would never produce anything good. Through some good fortune, however, he was chosen to attend Carlisle Industrial School in Pennsylvania, a special college for American Indians. Jim was a natural athlete. He excelled in all the sports. At Carlisle, he met the legendary coach, Pop Warner, and he finally began to receive the recognition that his talent deserved. 
In the summer of 1912, during his senior year at Carlisle, Jim represented the United States in the Summer Olympic Games held that year in Stockholm, Sweden. His time had come. He entered and won both the heptathlon, seven events, and the decathlon, ten events in track and field. He's the only person, even to this day, who has ever accomplished such a feat. The King of Sweden personally told Jim, Sir, you are truly the world's greatest athlete. Considering this, ask yourselves, where have you pitched your tent? What are you expecting each and every day? What kind of an attitude do you have? Well, Cheru, some people might say, I've been praying for my child for five years and it just doesn't look like he's going to get back on course. Or you might say, everybody at the job gets promoted except for me. Or I tried to launch this business, but no one would help me. In each of these responses, your tent has been pitched in the wrong place. You need to pitch your tent in the land of hope, in the land of expectation. You need to believe for God's blessings and favor. You must expect that he'll turn that around. You need to pick up your stakes, pack up your belongings, and move out of the land of discouragement. Move out of the land that it's not going to happen. Move out of can't-do-it-ville. Move out of self-pity estates. Get out of those dead-end neighborhoods and move into a land of hope, a land of faith, a land where you know anything is possible, a place where you know your time is coming. We visited Rajamundri in 2009, our last trip to India. There we met a devotee named Satya Gopinath. He joined ISKCON in Bangalore in 1988 at the young age of 19. He served in relative obscurity there in Bangalore in the life membership program. He was undistinguished up to this point in time, but he served excellently in the life membership program developed intimate and rich and deep relationships with many of the well-to-do industrialists and technocrats there in Bangalore. So listen to what happens. His time is coming. In 2003, he visited Rajamundri, I believe in Andhra Pradesh, on the bank of the Godavari River. He's all alone. He doesn't know anybody in the town. There's a big festival called the Pushkar Festival, which happens once in 12 years. He ended up feeding single-handedly 40,000 pilgrims a day. By calling his connections in Bangalore, trucks started leaving Bangalore. Rice, dal, ghee, cooking utensils. The Minister of Finance of Andhra Pradesh happened to note the super excellent achievements of this single devotee and offered him a choice piece of land, downtown Rajamundri, right on the sacred Godavari River. But there was one condition. He said, ISKCON devotees, International Society for Krishna Conscious Devotees, have a reputation for taking a long time to build temples. I want you to build this temple within two years. Otherwise, I know I'll get pressure in the parliament to take the land back. How is he going to do that? He's there all alone. He doesn't know anybody has. He built a $2 million temple in 18 months. While that temple was under construction, he got a donation of land in Anantapur four hours away. He personally designed the temple in Anantapur, and while building the temple in Rajamundri, commuted four hours each way, built a temple in Anantapur. And while that was all going on, he also got another donation of land in Pondicherry. 
Today he manages three temples that he built himself. He's got two more active projects at Guntur and Dontamoror, also in Andhra Pradesh. He conducts huge Hare Krishna festivals all over Andhra Pradesh and Karnataka. He also originated and inspired a state-level contest on the Bhagavad Gita with 25,000 participants. He talks regularly on TV throughout Andhra Pradesh and Karnataka. He's a very, very well-known personality. What's my point? His time has come. You may be suffering from some setbacks. You may be experiencing disappointment, loss. In the natural, you have every reason to give up on what God's put in your heart. But I'm asking you to let this simple phrase sink in. Give yourself a soul tattoo with these words. Your time is coming. God is in control of your life. He knows exactly where you are. He knows even the hidden dreams called the secret petitions of your heart that you may not have even shared with anybody. Maybe you thought that they would never work out or you buried them because they didn't happen on your timetable. But Krishna God still has a way to make them come to pass. You need to draw a line in the sand. Say, that's it, I'm done with mediocrity. I'm done with self-pity. I'm done being complacent. I believe that every dream, every promise, even the secret petitions of my heart will come to fulfillment. When you have that attitude, all the forces of darkness can't stop Krishna from bringing your dreams to pass. You may be discouraged from time to time, that's natural. Negative thoughts may come knocking on the door telling you it'll never happen, you'll never marry, you'll never be free of debt, you'll never find happiness, you'll never open any temple. This is as good as it gets. Shake off those thoughts. Say, Krishna, you said that for those who chant your holy names, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hari Rama, Hari Rama, Rama Rama, Hari Hari. You said that you will dissipate the darkness of ignorance with the torchlight of knowledge. You said that for those who chant your holy names, Hari Krishna, Hari Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hari Hari, Hari Rama, Hari Rama, Rama Rama, Hari Hari. You will preserve what they have and carry what they lack. You said that for those who delight in you by chanting your holy names. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, that you in turn will delight in them and remove all the obstacles on the path to their fulfilling their destiny. Let's thank God today that He is after all in control of our lives, that good things are in store, and that we believe our times are coming. We'll go through unfair situations, we all do, when someone does you wrong or you get some bad breaks, do not make the mistake of constantly dwelling on the downside. Too many people pitch their tents in the land of self-pity. Someone mistreated them a year ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and they're still carrying around that poison in their hearts. Instead of being negative and bitter, your attitude should be, they just did me a favor. They just qualified me for double. I believe that my time is coming and when I come out of this situation, I will come out with twice the joy, twice the peace, twice the victory. That's an attitude of hope. That's an attitude that says, I will not be defeated. It may look impossible, but I know that God can do the impossible. They may have treated me wrong, but I'm not worried. I know God is my vindicator. It may be taking a long time, but in due season, 
I know that I will reap if I simply keep on keeping on. Life may not be fair sometimes. It may be tempting to think it's never going to get better. This is just my lot in life. Now, if you're not careful, those negative thoughts will draw in other negative thoughts. Begins with one unfair situation, and then we perpetuate it by having and holding on to the wrong mindsets. I'm asking you today to break out of that rut. You may have been through unfair situations, but it's not over until Krishna says it's over. Krishna always has the final say. Krishna is a God of justice, a God of balance. He sees every wrong that's ever been done to you. He sees every unfair situation. And he says that if you'll stay in faith, if you'll keep your hopes up, he will make your wrongs right. He'll bring justice into your life. Our attitude should be, I know they've done me wrong, but I refuse to get bitter. I know my time is coming. Richard Slavin grew up a Jewish boy in Chicago. He traveled overland to India. He met Prabhupada in Vrindavan. Vrindavan is our Bethlehem. It's a place where the Lord personally appeared 5,300 years ago, exhibited his childhood pastimes. Richard Slavin came to Vrindavan. He enjoyed performing austerities in the Holy Land, living as a celibate monk, associating with the many, many saints in Vrindavan. And when he met Prabhupada and the devotees of the International Society for Krishna Consciousness, it gave so much more relish to the experience. He loved Vrindavan, and he got to know every nook and cranny and every saint and every sadhu in Vrindavan, lived there for a couple of years, but eventually he had to leave India for visa reasons, and he had to stay out for six months before he could return. He was despondent, and then someone said, there's a new Vrindavan in America. If you have to leave the Vrindavan in India, why don't you go to the new Vrindavan in America? That new Vrindavan was in the most rural of the 50 states, West Virginia. The community of new Vrindavan that had been established was in the most rural part of West Virginia, and he ended up in the most rural part of this rural community. There was no hot and cold running water. You had to reach it by four-wheel drive. And yet, he was content to serve there, worshiping the deities in obscurity, in anonymity. Even in that community of devotees of New Vrindavan, most devotees didn't visit the farm where he was serving because it was too remote. Now he only needed to stay for six months and then he could return to his beloved Vrindavan. He ended up accepting that God had put him there for a reason and that he was needed there. He ended up staying for 12 years. He was always talking about Lord Chaitanya. He was always talking about Lord Krishna. He was extremely well-liked, and he was very much respected. Now, how many lesser people, if you put you or me in those shoes, how many of us would get bitter or resentful? Why am I stuck here? Everybody else is getting promoted. Everybody's traveling here and there. No, he made the most of it. He would console himself being away from his Vrindavan by telling the other devotees all about Vrindavan. So much so that the temple management got upset because when the other devotees started to hear about Vrindavan, India from Radna, they wanted to leave and go. And so it made it hard for the management to keep their devotees in place. So eventually after 12 years, they asked Radna to take sannyas, to become a swami 
and adopt a traveling way of life. And he didn't want to. He was happy doing what he did. They forced him to take sannyas. He went back to his beloved India. He started in Bombay in a very, very modest way. Just had a little room in Chopati where he gave classes Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. By 2008, he had an estimated 15,000 disciples. Today, he inspires Bombay's celebrated Radha Gopinath Temple, which occupies the entire city block. It's populated by brilliant graduates of India Institute of Technology, hundreds of whom are breaking down the walls to do something amazing for Prabhupada and for Krishna. He's the founder of the Govardhan Echo Village, the premier gold standard, sustainable, off-the-grid, green community in all of India. The inspiration behind the Bhaktivedanta Hospital in Bombay, which is all staffed by devotee doctors, the food of which is all prasadam, bhajans and kirtans are piped through the speaker system, the deity is worshipped there, and the hospital is fully equipped even to do up to triple bypass heart surgeries. He published the book of his story by the name The Journey Home. How from a suburb of Chicago, he came to be one of the most celebrated spiritual leaders in the world. It became a bestseller. He just recently published his second book, The Journey Within, which is also in the New York Times bestselling list. As part of our Festival India on September 24th, Radhanath Swami will be joining us on his world tour. He'll speak for 15 minutes from the stage. And then from 6.15 to 17.15, he'll be in the temple here to answer, to do a question and answer period. Would you say with me that his time came? That the seeds that he sowed for 12 years in West Virginia, that now he's being repaid more than what he could have possibly imagined because he kept his faith? He didn't get bitter or resentful or have a pity party? How can we apply this to our lives? Maybe some of us feel that our lives have been put on hold. We've had so much go against you and so many things have not worked out. Now negative thoughts are beginning to tell you. It's never going to change. never going to get better. You'll never be healthy. You'll never be happy. Don't believe the never lies. Krishna is saying to you, your time is coming. Your destiny is not tied to people. It's tied to God. Don't be discouraged just because somebody walked away. Don't be bitter towards a boss, a business associate, a friend who was promoted and forgot all about you. You don't need people to succeed. God already has the right people lined up to come into your life. He has your divine connections. Just stay in faith and trust God to get you to where you need to be. Don't count on people to give you breaks. Sometimes we're good to people. Sometimes we go out of our way to help them succeed. But when we need help, some or other, they're nowhere to be found. That's not the case with God. I'm asking you to do today what Radhanath did. I'm asking you to do today what Satya Gopinath did. I'm asking you to do today what Vaibhavi did. No matter how long it's been, how tempted you are to get discouraged, get up every morning and just declare it by faith, my time is coming. The promise is in me and I will not die until I see it come to pass. Maybe you've been working on the same job for 20 years, showing up early, giving it your best, but the promotions never come. Don't worry about it. Don't get negative. You're not working for men. You're working for God. If you keep the right attitude, your time of promotion will come. 
God's keeping the records. He sees every seed that you've ever sown. And what you have sown, you will reap in abundance. Some of you thought it was over. Some of you thought you've made too many mistakes. You thought you were getting too old. But it's never too late. Krishna says, to those who are faithful to me, I give the understanding by which they can overcome all the obstacles of life. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. If you don't give up on Krishna, he's not going to give up on you. You may have made mistakes, you may have blown some good opportunities, join the club. We all have our failures, our defeats, our regrets. The good news is that Krishna never disqualifies us. He never writes us off. Nothing that you've done is beyond the mercy of God. If you get knocked down, all you have to do is get back up again. Don't stay down. Bhakti Siddhanta, the guru of our guru said, don't act so that you can see God. Act so that God can see you. Krishna or God shuns the spectacular, shuns the talented, shuns the aristocratic, shuns the good-looking, shuns the prideful. He loves the ordinary. Just look at the circumstances of his birth. We celebrated Krishna's appearance day last weekend. In the same way that Lord Jesus Christ was born in a manger in a stable, 3,000 years prior to that, Lord Krishna appeared as the son of Vasudeva and Devaki in the prison house of Kamsa. The Lord of all creation, when he manifested himself on this earth, he took his appearance within the prison house. You don't need notoriety. You don't need talent. You don't need good looks. You don't need connections. None of that impresses God who is full with wealth, strength, fame, beauty, knowledge, and renunciation. What impresses God is steadfast, unwavering devotion. You may go unheralded, unrecognized for a season, but when you've passed the test, Krishna will thrust you forward with supernatural power. If you stay in faith and remain a person of excellence, have a good attitude no matter how people treat you, your time will come. Be a prisoner of hope. Krishna will put the right people in your path. Even the secret petitions of your heart, Krishna will bring to fulfillment. You must rise up today and block out negative thoughts and say, you know what? What he's saying, that's for me. With my faith, I will ignite in this moment. With my faith, I will bring forth the dream that God put on the inside. All the dreams that you've buried, the desires that you thought would never work out, it's time to believe. Time to have the attitude, I'm coming up to a new level. I've seen it happen for others, but it's now my time to see Krishna's blessings and favor. It's my time to accomplish my dreams. It's my time to break these addictions. No more sitting around wishing that your dream would come true, that your ship would come in. No more bitterness, no more hurt, no more jealousy. Your time has come. Get up each morning and say, first thing, Krishna, can I walk with you? It's my time now. If you do that, I believe that Krishna is going to bring every one of your dreams to pass in this life, and in the next life, he'll take you back to home, back to Godhead.